You mentioned uh, a big four, so to speak, of Holiday, Green, Jones, and Johnson. Is there a guy in that group you think is going to, who are you most confident in will go number one, or is it a pitcher or somebody else? I think, you know, even if you go back to, to Adlai's year, like we had so many rumors they weren't going to take him, and he was, he was the cleanest prospect mm-hmm. maybe in my 14 years of doing this. It's just, I mean, he there was no glare. The, the worst thing you could say about him was, you know, catchers are almost as risky as pitchers. Like that was literally it. Every, I mean, he did everything else uh, so well and they were tempted. And when they've gone on, like I liked Jurisad, Uh that has not worked out for them, but like that was, they went like, they're not even grabbing the guy. They're not going for top tier guys. They're going for almost like guys who are a whole tier lower and they've done that so consistently you know, when I did a, a like, on my own personal account, because again, it's an illness and I can't stop myself. <laughs> uh, last week, I did like a mock. I did a 40 pick mock so I could get the Dodgers in as well. And I just put my son down for a nap and then I came down and did a YouTube video. I had him go on Cam Collier. And uh, part of me still wants to stick with that there just because I think he's going to offer savings for a team that digs like age relative models. And he's my number two player. If he was playing, if he was demolishing the Cape, uh, he, it would be close. One and two would be very close for me because there's I, he's supposed to be a high school junior. Like we're not talking about a high school senior. A guy who's who's seventeen is a junior, and he played very well against twenty year olds this year. Like that's that's a very positive indicator. Now he doesn't have the ceiling of some of those other guys. But uh, could he be a better Cabron Hayes? I mean, that that's potential. You know, it, I think you're kind of looking at something like that. But I, I wouldn't be shocked by him. I wouldn't be shocked by Jackson Holiday because as a system, they have no shortstops like anywhere. Uh, Elijah Green would be a bit of a surprise uh, just because there's more risk. But I could also see, you know, uh, Brooks Lee just because it's, it's a rather safe profile again. And... Uh, you can move them around a bit. So I, I do kind of look around, and I'm not sold on Jones being 100%. Interesting. Uh, big picture here, who do you consider to be the biggest sleeper in this draft class, or if there's a name that you like a lot more than other prognosticators out there? Sorry, i just getting some static there. I want to make sure it's not... Uh, showing up on your end? No, you're good. You you okay. sound fine on my end. Okay, just probably my bad headphones. Um, <laughs> so my guy this year that I am way way in front of uh, is Chandler Simpson from Georgia Tech, mm. and I say that because I have him currently sitting at uh, 33, and he's not top 100 on any other board as far as I know. So it is. Uh, I'm way out there, and I get that. And so the reason I am way out there is first off, he might be the fastest guy in this class. He might have the only true 80 grade tool with his speed. He played shortstop at Georgia tech this year, his first year in the ACC. And for large ports of the season, he led the whole country in batting. Uh, he hit over 400 for this year. He dominated the Northwoods league a year ago using wood bats. Uh, he also is, I mean, been exceptional in the Cape Cod league. And again, he's you know, got, maybe the best when you look at like hardest players to strike out you go and you look at that in nc the ncaa database you know they list the top 25 
22 of them are small school guys. Like it, that's more of like something you see. And then you have like John Kasovich from Oregon, you have Chandler Simpson. And then I think Luke Hancock from um, one of the Mississippis were the only power five conferences. And again, first year in a major conference coming from the Juco ranks, played shortstop, got put in a hard position. He's probably going to shift to center field as a pro. He has 20 grade power. There is no power at all there. And I think that's part of the reason why he's low, but elite contact rates, uh, like I said, legit 80 grade speed. He has hit with wood bats. He's hit against top competition. He's been a high level performer. Can, and he get, you know, he walks too. Like there's on base skills. He'll probably find his way into a few doubles, but I mean, he might not, if you were to play a full 10 year career, he may not get the double digit home runs. So how, how willing are you to take the slap hitter with, with elite traits though? Like I said, again, his, his contact rate is phenomenal and we kind of see more and more the importance of that. And I don't know, I look at him and I see a worst case scenario. Yeah. He's got to learn center field. That's not his natural position, but I think with his speed and he's got, you know, the arm to have played shortstop, he would have a plus arm there. You give this kid time with his contact ability, with his speed, with what he can do, like there is a lower end or a mid range outcome. A lot of players we talk about a mid range outcome is probably a quad a type, like his mid range outcome, just because the contact rate and speed and potentially playing a premium position in center is like a ninth hitter, right? Like a guy who's maybe a right. suboptimal bat, but brings speed and, you know, uh, is not a, a windmill up there. Like there. There's value in that. So yeah, I understand like the absolute lack of power, is what's pushing him down but i i don't get why he's not at least a little bit higher like why he's not in the 90s or 80s for other people maybe there's something i don't know something i'm missing but uh, he played in the second best conference was one of the best players in that conference in his first year in major conference baseball has hit with wood in multiple settings and has like i said one of just physical tool wise something that stands out above everyone else so I put him at 33 because I really value contact skills and I value the fact that I see a very easy path. Like he even has a lower outcome where it's like, he's just a really good bench bat where he's an elite mm-hmm. pinch runner. He can come in and handle multiple positions. He can probably play all three outfield spots. He's a former shortstop. Maybe you can have him play a little bit on the infield. Like as a 25th man guy on your roster, like there's, he presents high level value for that. Now maybe that's not what you want in the first round, but uh, that's still like more, I see like a lower potential outcome, not necessarily the, you know, 90th percentile outcomes where he's, uh, just a demon at the top of your lineup. Now flipping the script a little bit, who do you consider to be the most overrated player in this draft class? So when I was going through lists, um, I think the guy that I am lower on, there's two that I'm kind of lower on than mm-hmm. most. And, and there are a pair of pitchers. One is Blade Tidwell from Tennessee. Uh, because I mean, he didn't pitch this year hardly. We got what was it, thirty? I can't remember. Thirty-nine total innings, and yeah, he throws really hard. He looked really good, but he had, he missed a good chunk of the year with a significant arm injury, and then we didn't hear anything more about it. And then he came back and pitched anyways, which makes me concerned. Like, is like how healthy is he? Yeah, uh, he. You know, th- there's some room to compare him to Garrett Crochet, and like. Yes, the White Sox rushed uh, Crochet to the big leagues, but I don't think the best asset management is spending a high first-round pick on a reliever, too. So it's like, can someone like Eric Crochet transition back? We'll see. Tennessee, its developmental profile, some of their big guys, it's been a little bit fraught as well. That's not a program that's necessarily had a ton of consistent success. 
And then um, Cooper Zerpe from Oregon State. I don't believe in unicorns. Um, <laughs> it just, you know, I talked about it on the, the Guardians podcast. Like Tristan McKenzie was always a guy I was lower on because literally you use the baseball reference finder. There's been no pitcher with his size and weight ratio. It doesn't exist. You know, Oscar Gonzalez, because of his profile, those guys don't exist. There's, they're the only offensive player who's consistently successful with walk, strike, and ground out rates like Oscar Gonzalez has shown is uh, uh, Lewis uh, Robert with the White Sox. Like, I don't go for – so, Jurpe being somewhat cross-body, it's like you only – there's no starter who does that. It's only relievers. He throws like a reliever. Now he's got the plus secondary offerings. Maybe there's more, but – you're betting on a him being something that there isn't. And it's, it's also kind of the same reason. Like I thought I'd have Noah Schultz much higher on my list to give you a third one. Keep going with pitchers. He's a really good, really interesting pitcher, but he's six foot nine. And mm. once pitchers go past six, seven, even at six, seven, it's like the mechanical errors, the injury risk, everything is so much more fraught. And again, I just, I don't believe in unicorns. So if you are a guy who's going to have to go against the majority of historical data, I'm going to be lower on you. And it's not any knock on either of these three guys, but I'm just looking at, you know, a guy who hasn't been healthy, a guy who's got uh, unconventional mechanics and a guy who's just really big. You can make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement as well. So use code Locked On. That's code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that will not give away what is inside. So, shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Uh, this is a question I think I consider to be kind of a fun one, but fast forward 15, 20 years from now and looking back at the 2022 draft class, which player do you think will wind up position player, pitcher, whatever it may be, will wind up with the highest career war wins above replacement from the 2022 draft. Is there a name that you have in mind? So I, essentially the best career, best MLB career for all intents and purposes. I mean, I think, yeah. Okay. So the, the obvious one's Andrew Jones, because he projects as a plus defender in center field and potentially a plus hitter. You know, I think kind of if, if you want to get past that first tier of players and you're like, okay, who's the next one? You want to look for, again, that combination of of like offense and defensive ceiling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just kind of looking at my list right here. And I was trying to remember, I specifically talked about guys who I thought could overperform um, expectations. And like I have so many guys, I'm just kind of, so I'll throw one out. Maybe Jacob Melton from Oregon state. Um, okay. Plus power plus speed profiles. Well, above average power. I've seen some plus, I think he's closer to above average, a one year guy. He's older. Uh, not the defender necessarily at Jude Fabian is in center field, but uh, still, I think he can stick in that position and be, and uh, see, maybe that doesn't lead to high war because he's just an average defender in center field. But if he moves to the corners, his war would definitely play up. Uh, and he's going to bring value with base running. He's going to bring value with on base skills. He's, uh, I'm always intrigued by the guys who hit a major conference and just hit and can perform very well from the drop. Um, mm-hmm. I need to go back and look through my notes over the years. I always comment on it to see, uh, if that is something that is really my perception or not. 
Yeah, that that might be the the down the board guy. Uh, I was trying to see if there's anyone really down the board for me who could be that player. Uh, you know, Max Wagner might be an interesting guy, uh, just because he's another draft eligible sophomore. You know, he'd go back to when he was a kid in Wisconsin, and like he was the number two. Th- he wasn't even the top third baseman in his class. He wasn't. Uh, he was the fifth overall ranked guy. He didn't get an invite to the Cape a year ago, and then this year he hit 20-odd home runs. He's probably going to move to second base, but power production at an up-the-middle position, uh, a little bit of an unknown. You know, you're going to get him in the comp round or the second round. He's not going to go in the first, and there's a chance you get you know, above average to plus power at a position you don't often see that as. So maybe that's that's kind of the deeper dive guy. Right. Okay, that makes sense. I see. Um, one guy that... Um you know, he made a lot of headlines last year and I guess may make a lot of headlines this year. Kumar Rocker, where do you see him getting selected this year? So we know he had a minor uh, shoulder surgery in the fall that's come out. So I always, I tell this story. When people got really mad a year ago, I told this story and it's, you know, not seeing the medicals until you draft a player is a huge deal. And, you know, the Houston Astros didn't see Brady Aiken's medicals and decide not to sign him. Since they don't sign Brady Aiken Brady the next year, they get the pick that allows them to draft Alex Bregman. Now, by having Alex Bregman, plus also being bad and getting the pick that became Kyle Tucker, they also had extra money. That extra money allowed them to go out and sign Daz Cameron as a comp pick, which allowed them to trade for Justin Verlander. All because of bad medicals. If they sign Brady Aiken, none of that happens. The Astros, uh, you know, even with assistance, maybe don't win a World Series if, if that train of events doesn't occur. Uh, the Guardians the next year draft Brady Aiken, and he never gets above low A. It's just the health isn't there. So you, I think you have to be knowledgeable. You have to see the medicals. I don't know what Scott Boris is going to be willing to show. When it's all working, I mean, he's he's got the – his consistency has always been an issue. He's probably a bigger name than he was a player mm-hmm. um, just because of the success he found. It's not to say he's a bad player. Like if he was yeah. fully healthy, he'd be he'd be in that upper tier in this class. I don't want it, but you know he he didn't reach that like number one 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 type of guy for me. He was more of a a solid guy. You take more back into the top ten, and now it's just again if I don't see the medicals, I wouldn't touch him because I just get too nervous about those things and. If it scared a team like the Mets off that much to not even sign him, then uh, I, I mean, they didn't even offer him. Like with Brady Aiken, the Houston Astros offered him a, a different contract after looking at the medicals. And then uh, it ended up costing them Jacob Nix as well, I want to say, who ended up going to the Padres maybe the next year because they had, you know, deals in place and they didn't have that extra money anymore. So they, they decided to cost themselves two arms rather than give him the original talked about bonus. So in this case, the Mets looked at that medical and they weren't even willing to do that. They weren't even willing to come back and offer him. Uh, they, they offered him nothing. They decided it was too dangerous to sign him. So I, you know, maybe if you're a team like Atlanta, who just went out and you know was creative and made that trade and already had some draft capital. Maybe if you're the Reds who have a ton of draft capital, it's worth the gamble. I I don't think we see him go in the top twenty. Now that I've said that, it definitely will happen. But uh, I think it's just again, unless you can really see the medicals, you can't feel comfortable going for him. Okay, well, it's great to have some context there with Kumar Rocker and 
what the Astros did several years ago and how that train of events worked out for them uh, very swimmingly there. Um, just kind of a general question here. Uh, which college program do you think will have the most players selected in this year's draft class? If you have a rough estimate. Uh, it's probably going to be Tennessee, uh, at least in terms of like high picks. I mean, I have two Tennessee guys in the teens or two outfielders. Blade Tidwell, who I talked about, is also you know going to go somewhere in that like uh, you know top fifty, top sixty range. Ben Joyce, their closer. Listen, college closers have had terrible conversion rates, but we keep thinking they're it's this guy is going to be the one. We'll mm-hmm. see if it is with him, but like these, we, hey, this fast moving reliever it never seems to work. But he could go pretty high. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt will have uh, a nice selection of players this year as well when you look at uh some of the players that uh that are on campus and if you count rocker as well uh you know i don't know who's gonna have the most i'll tell you the team that's going to lose the most and that's lsu because you go through and you look at the top 40 players in this class it feels like at least a quarter of the top prep players are currently committed to lsu Mm. uh you know you talked about justin crawford he's one of them and there's more beyond that so lsu will probably be the team that ends up getting like the biggest hit of talent because of all that prep talent that isn't going to go but i think you would bet on probably tennessee or vanderbilt just in terms of uh, who's going to have the most players. And then, you know, a, a sleeper in that Georgia tech, uh, you know, I, I talked about my love of Chandler Simpson, you know, Parada is going to go high. They've got a few others, uh, Maxwell, their pitcher. Uh, he'd, he'd be a great Tampa, you know, he throws one mm-hmm. one but no one knows where it's going. So yeah. he would be an ideal kind of guy to, uh, to go down there and work. Online.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs, which already happened, guys, and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Which state will produce the most draft picks combined? High school, college, JUCO. I assume it's probably down to Florida California and Texas, um, unless it's there's some other sleeper out there like uh, Georgia or Arizona or something like that. But if you had a you had an idea of um, which state's going to to really fit the bill for most players drafted across the board, it's it's not Alaska. We can always yeah knock that one out. You never get it. But I think, you know, Georgia is always a sleeper. It's just that the, you know, Georgia Tech is a fine program, but like the University Mm -hmm. of Georgia is always kind of a little bit disappointing, like in terms of their draft production. Florida and California are definitely kind of the prep kings. And I think I lean into Florida just because of college production. University of Florida hasn't been as strong as in recent years, if we're being honest. Um, You know, it it was almost comical a year ago, like the Guardians drafted three Florida arms just clearly putting that whole program on notice like hey yeah none of these guys improved in three years we think we can do it uh like they just targeted that program and said you're you know we think we can fix what you can't do uh it was just it was a complete like (laughs) 
you know, I saw someone being like, they must really like that program. I'm like, no, I think it's the opposite. Because, <laughs> uh, that's. A, I mean, you look at the rest of that Guardians draft, like f- multiple pitchers from that staff within six months added three to seven miles an hour to their pitches. So uh, they definitely target guys that they think they can find more of. But I think, you know, Florida State isn't the strongest, but some of those smaller schools in Florida always have a few decent players. And, you know, California... You, you go through there, it's like UCLA, USC aren't too strong. Cal is going to have a guy go high. So maybe it does. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you just go California because it's huge. It's got right. so many things. It's like, you know, you'll have Cal Poly. We'll have two guys drafted. So I guess I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go to California. It's huge. There's always a ton of prep talent. And, you know, even though the fact is the, the you know, Cal Poly might be the most successful draft just in terms of, high value, high picks. Uh, there's so many colleges that there's going to be names up and down, especially when you get into that like day two, day three range where right. some of the smaller ones go. Uh, final question for you, Jeff, and uh, throwing you a, a softball here. Who are yeah. you hoping that the Guardians take with their top pick? Who do you want them to target? You know, I think my whole stance on this is I think they are standing there and waiting to see who falls. Like last year, Sal Fralick and um, Cleo Watson. Now, Cleo Watson has been a whole, you know, maybe this is part of the reason why he fell because he has had his own issues this year. Mm-hmm. But Fralick and, and to a lesser degree, Matt McLean were like higher guys who fell. So I think they're kind of hoping someone slides. And I think when I look at players, the two guys in my top 10 who could conceivably be there for the Guardians are uh, Jet Williams, the he is just barely a tear down from those elite uh, prep players in this class, in my opinion. And he's five foot eight. Like, let's just put it out there. He is five foot eight. That is why he is not getting talked about in that group. He's, you know, the hits he's, I don't mean this as a pun, but it almost came out as a pun. He's, you know, he's like a, 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 a mini Tamar Johnson. And I don't mean like size wise. I just meant like the, he's not quite that good of a hitter. He's just kind of a little bit down. I guess, mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe more traditional parlance is a poor man's Tamar Johnson. Cause Tamar Johnson's such a unreal hitter, but like, there's a lot of similarities between those two hitters in my mind. And then, you know, Jace Jung, he's, he's got a weird swing, you know, that always hurts people. Uh, he had a down year for power production from a year ago, and that's going to be something. And no one is really sure what his position is going to be. It's probably not third. Can it maybe be second? Is he going to end up in a corner? But that guy just hits and gets on base. And I'm willing to – and another thing that, you know, I always keep making these things I need to go back and research. But I have a longstanding view in my head that I have not researched, so it could be complete uh, BS, that younger brothers end up outperforming big brothers. So, you know, I think about the the youngs. I think about the opt-ins. I think about – Maybe not the weeks is, but uh, going yeah. through, uh, you know, that's one of those things that comes to my mind in recent years. I always feel like the younger brother ends up outperforming. So I think those are the ones that uh, I would like to see there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. I, you know, part of me, I, I get to change it. I would love to see them. It would be weird. Uh, I would love to see them draft Chandler Simpson there just to validate me. Uh, now, I know everyone out there is like, why would you want them to take a guy? The other thing I always want to point out is that when I, when you go under slot, it is the equivalent of trading down. You are saving that money for later to try to draft someone to get them to have a big money. So if, you know, for instance, if the Guardians, like a, a real guy, they could take theirs, Drew Gilbert, who might be cheaper, and then you save that extra money to go get, like, you know, what the Pirates did a year ago. It's your way of manipulating it. So my, my wild card one would be Chandler Simpson, because then I would just look really smart. Mm. 
Uh, final question, just following up on all that, uh, you made an in interesting comment about the belief or theory that younger brothers outperform the older brothers, older siblings. Do you think that has anything to do with the older brothers going through the process and going through the game and being able to talk about their experiences and, and leverage what they learned, what they did well, what they didn't do well with their younger brother? And then yeah. the younger brother's able to kind of get it, quote unquote, more quickly? Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly. And nope. Undubitably, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think it's totally the case. I mean, because we don't. Yeah. So I mentioned all the big names there. But how about right now? Like, so one of those picks I got right many years ago in my mock was uh, Alec Manoa to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And we know Toronto loves blue, uh, loves bloodlines more than anyone else. Alec's brother was a Mets draft pick. So his brother mm -hmm. wasn't a big name, but his older brother had been through the process and that had to help Alec on through his process and look what he's done and so sometimes you don't even realize that there is that older brother older sibling a parent yeah. who maybe uh you know like reed detmers his dad steve uh pitched in the cardinal system for many years like sometimes i think just having that additional knowledge is helpful and you also you just get coaching your whole life it's you know jackson holiday it's like how much of an advantage is it? A, dad is Matt Holiday, but B, granddad coached college baseball for 40 years. Like, did he mm -hmm. go to any event and not sit down and play baseball with a family member? Like, it just has to be so ingrained. If you don't burn out, uh, you know, it, it just has to help. I, you know, yeah. I, I can just point around baseball. I mean, there's a reason why so many guys with bloodlines get drafted, and it just it feels like, you know, Toronto – was very successful drafting bloodline guys later. And then it turns out that they're more successful sometimes as pros than they were college players. Yeah. And you don't have to look too far outside of Tampa for an example of all that Preston Tucker and Kyle Tucker. We see the career Kyle Tucker is having uh, compared to Preston Tucker and, and the lows uh, as well. Like, exactly. I mean, not to say that Nate has not been good, but I think we all think Josh is going to be a lot better. Right. That's the that's the belief out there anyway. Well, Jeff, it was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Host of Locked on Guardians at Jeff MLB Draft on Twitter. Uh, Jeff, is there anything you want to promote your website, social media, uh, YouTube page? The, the floor is yours. Uh, you know, if you want to go subscribe to Locked on Guardians, uh, I always tell people you can immediately mute me if you don't actually want to get the updates, but the subscriptions really help uh, any of us. So if you're listening on my end, I'll say to go uh, subscribe to the Locked on Rays one as well. Uh, like I said, if you want to check my stream, uh, I'm going to be dropping draft only content quite a bit throughout this process. Draft night itself, I'm going to hop on with um, was it the guys at Future Socks for a bit. I'm going to do about 30 minutes, I think, live with Lindsay from Lockdown Prospects. And then I'm just going to do my own solo show. So if you want an alternative, you can go find my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I'm going to be kind of dropping in and out of doing a solo draft show that evening. Maybe I'll have some friends come in. Uh, it just comes down to how good I am at tech. And then if you did want to go see my blog, it is not fancy. It is not. I don't have an, an editor anymore. It is just my thoughts with the help of, you know, Grammarly. Uh, so you can go find that at mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. It is, it's free. It's not fancy, but it's almost 12,000 words on, uh, top 51. And then a bonus player to watch who a year ago was Nico Cavadas. Who's putting up some fun numbers for Boston this year. So 